0: Hi, everyone. Okay. Hold right. on, hold on, hold on, right. on. Before you get started.
1: Okay, um, you tell me. I'll do a, a three, two, one. And then a pause and you can do whatever. Um, I don't remember what I was going to ask now. So it doesn't matter. We'll start mm. in three, two, one.
0: Hi, everyone. And welcome to Pastrami Law making the law easy to digest since 2022. My name is Brian Pastori and I'm a trial lawyer in Southern California. During this podcast, we're going to talk about the top 10, meaning I, we're actually doing the second part of the top 10 biggest cases of 2021. Also, since I am a lawyer, I should probably put in the standard legal disclaimer that nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. This is all meant to be educational, so if you think that you do need legal advice, make sure that you consult an attorney who is licensed to practice in your area. So with all that being said, today I'm here with my friend and former coworker Dan Short and we're going to get started on the second half of the top 10 cases of 2021. So, with that, hey Dan, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going okay. I just drove back from Pennsylvania to Florida, so it's been a it's been a weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I heard your congratulations to your brother. I know he got married and I heard it all went well. So that's good to hear.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of travel. So it's good to be home.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well, so what we're going to do, I know I had mentioned when we were doing the top five cases that the sixth, seventh and eighth eighth case were all going to be related to brain injury cases. And as I mentioned before, brain injuries are one of, if not the biggest area of law that I practice in. And it's a growing area of law. It's a very large area of law. And it's not at all surprising to see brain injury cases in the top 10 list. Um, But each of these brain injury cases in the top 10 list are actually kind of interesting. Um, And depressing. And and a little depressing. Uh, It's very hard to be upbeat and excited about a brain injury case. But the outcome was very good for the plaintiffs. So, again, it's, this is kind of the natural order of the law is whenever you're in litigation, it means something went wrong for somebody. And if there's a big dollar amount tied to a brain injury, usually, and by usually, I mean every time, it means there's at least somebody who got really badly hurt. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about the sixth biggest case. This was Green v. Driz, And... Greenfield Driz was a $72.6 million verdict. And was, yeah, and I was trying to do the math. I think it actually might be closer to $80 million. Um, one of the tricks with this is uh, this is a case where there are multiple defendants and multiple plaintiffs. So it looks like when people are reporting the numbers, you get one law firm who represents a couple of the plaintiffs who got a huge amount of money. And then um, th- another law firm representing another plaintiff who also seemed like they did pretty well from a monetary perspective um, to give you a little bit of a big picture on what this case was about. So this is a case that actually is kind of interesting in its facts. So the Driz brothers um, and a family friend, uh, they were out celebrating the 60th birthday of, I believe two of the brothers and they're the Driz brothers or the Driz family. They're a rich family. That are um, at least these individuals were up in the Los Angeles area. And they are former co owners, two of them are former co owners of 11 Blaze Pizza franchises. Uh, one of them dates Christina Schwarzenegger. So this is a wealthy, well to do family. And these uh, four defendants, so um, I believe it was three members of the, the Driz family and a family friend. They were out in a restaurant celebrating this birthday and they got into an argument with initially with the valet who I if I could try to make out what happened in the case. It looks like he didn't return their car fast enough to them. You know, really big problems that people need to get upset about,
1: especially Um, in California.
0: Yeah, yeah. God forbid you're in L.A. and you might not get your car fast enough to be able to get back in that L.A. traffic.
1: Yeah, to go sit on the parking lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, but still they were outraged. They got in a they got an argument with him. And apparently a TMZ photographer was taking their photos, and they started beating up the photographer. So the Driz family the started TMZ. beating up. Them. Yeah. yeah. I so I'm, I'm a,
1: sorry. I see this as just like some old dudes like beating on a guy with a better haircut than I have as he's trying to take pictures of it. <laughs>
0: Well, had it simply been a, you know, paparazzi, you know, push him down or something situation, that would have been one thing. But what happened was the uh, there was two siblings, the green. We'll just I'll just call them the green brother and the green sister. They're the greens, and a friend um, whose name was Findle. The three of them, uh, they overheard the valet. And the screaming towards the valet. And then they saw the TMZ photographer getting beaten up outside of this restaurant. And I came over to help and to say, hey, break it up. So they're trying to be good Samaritans and end the fight. And immediately the Driz family and their friend started wailing on the three of them. And all three of them were diagnosed with brain injuries as a result. Uh, the sister, who was a former model, had her skull broken open. The brother wow. had spine. Yeah, it was bad. Brother had spine injury as well as um, he needed uh, intestinal surgery. They, they ruptured part of his intestines. Um, and then also a brain injury for uh, Mr. Findle, their friend. So
1: what were they using to beat these people up with? They're, they're in their 60s, you said.
0: Uh, two of them were. I believe one of them was also oh. a younger brother or son. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's basically here's the thing. And this happens a lot with brain injury cases. People don't really appreciate how much damage can be done by slamming somebody's head into the concrete once or twice. Yeah.
1: Armed with one. the concrete, or armed with the sidewalk, or whatever it is.
0: Exactly. And a, a, a few foot stomps, a few swift kicks to the head. Um, I mean, they cracked open uh, one of their skulls. So it's not, this was, this you you can break open a skull easier than I think a lot of people realize. Um, usually it doesn't happen from one punch, but you know, this isn't the movies where somebody punches somebody in the face and they bounce back and get back in one second. These were many, many blows to the heads, uh, to the head of all three of them. And one of the, the the sister was the one who got the broken skull. And as a result of this, um, you'd think these were, uh, very well to do individuals so you'd think they would have settled the case right but they did yeah that they they messed up i also should point out there were criminal charges but because criminal has a higher um, you know higher burden of proof it's uh, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and it, it's tough to prosecute rich people and if i'm being blunt it's tough to prosecute rich people in los angeles Uh, They ended up getting basically slap on the wrist. Uh, I think it was... I looked it up. It's something like 45 days jail time. Like, basically nothing. But for the civil lawsuit, uh, what happened was they had a lawyer uh, who was trying to defend them. And then, ultimately, their lawyer left. Their lawyer asked to be uh, excused. And usually when that happens... It means that something's going on where either the clients that they have are not liking the advice that they're receiving, which was probably you need to settle because you severely injured these people, or you need to give me money so that I can mount a defense so that we can actually fight at, at court, or you keep lying to me and you're putting me in an impossible position. Um, these are the kind I unfortunately I hate to say it, but I've had a lot of cases like that. So yeah, another thing that was going on here was the defendants were acting as their own attorneys during the trial because they had a lawyer and their lawyer ended up asking to be excused as their lawyer.
1: Like early on, or
0: so this happened during the litigation before trial. And when this happens before trial, um there's a couple different reasons this can happen. One is you get fired, but it didn't look like the lawyer got fired. It looked like the co- lawyer asked the court to be relieved as counsel. Um, it's, if that's the case, then usually what it is, is the lawyer is giving advice that their client doesn't want to hear, or their client is asking the lawyer to do something immoral, um, or, and this is very possible, the lawyer was getting paid, and isn't getting paid anymore. Um, So in this situation, whatever it was, it ended up being that the lawyer left them before trial. So you have these rich, probably entitled um, family members who severely injured three people who are representing themselves at trial. And that's about the dumbest thing you can possibly do when you're getting sued is try to represent yourself on defense. It's an incredibly bad idea as a plaintiff, but as the defendant, it might even be worse.
1: Or withhold evidence. And so the judge gets mad at you and then you lose before you start.
0: Very, very true. And actually that's another thing that also comes up. And that's also kind of the problem of if you're a client who feels entitled or feels powerful or, you know, has money you might take the approach on the defense of, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And that backfires really bad with the judge. Um, but here, what really messed them up was since they had no lawyer to prepare them for the trial. So there's something they a lot of
1: people had no idea what to do. Did they,
0: they had no clue they had. <laughs> so a lot of people don't realize that it's not trial is not like a high school play where you just kind of throw it together as you expect. By the way, no offense to high school plays. I know there are productions, but it's the kind of thing where you have to make sure that you submit everything properly and that you identify everything that needs to be identified of what evidence is going to come in or the jury never hears it. And this is a major problem. This is a theme we've already seen before where what you see on TV might not be what the jury saw because the jury sees the evidence. And if you don't know how to get the evidence into the case, you're well, going to have a really, better. yeah, it's basically the the jury ends up having one set of evidence that is from one side and then nothing from the other. And then they're told to weigh the evidence and all of the weight is on <laughs> one side of the scale. So, nice. yeah. So this was a situation um, where, what ended up happening was the plaintiffs brought in about half a dozen to a dozen, um, doctors, because there were just to be clear, there were three plaintiffs. So you have for two different plaintiffs and also, um, for the other plaintiff, actually, uh, the third plaintiff, Mr. Findle had their own counsel. So you have two sets of attorneys for three different plaintiffs bringing in all of these different experts to talk about their injuries. So you had about half a dozen doctors, psychologists, surgeons, um, an economics expert, all telling you how badly they were beaten and how bad their brain injuries were and how much money they're going to need in the future to take care of them and you know their current situation and how much pain and suffering they had. And then the defendants, so the way it works in trial is the plaintiffs go first and then the defendants get to put on their experts and they put on no one. Um, also, the defendants had already been deposed uh, you know basically interviewed and during the discovery phase um, they gave information that they had to admit at trial was a lie so they're, they were not only caught in lies because they hadn't been prepared properly on what not to do at trial so the plaintiff's attorneys basically set them up and knocked them down but also they had no evidence for the damages so so did
1: they get in trouble for isn't it perjury if it's in a deposition
0: yeah that's one of those things that yes it is and technically there are theoretically criminal um issues with committing perjury on the stand Uh, a lot of times at trial a lot of people now it's it's a much higher level of fear because you've got 12 jurors and it's 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 kind of like public speaking right you've got everyone just staring at you Um, that's where a lot of people, if they're going to admit that they should have said something differently, they will. And I've never seen somebody prosecuted. Uh, it doesn't mean it can't happen. I've, and it probably has, but I've never seen it happen. So, you know, and and the thing is these plaintiffs attorneys ethically, they can't threaten to prosecute. Um, and at least not in exchange for money. And at least for their purposes, their goal is to try to get their clients money. So I don't know that even though they, did commit perjury in their deposition. um, I'm not so sure that anyone's ever going to get prosecuted for it. I'd I'd be surprised. Mm. Yeah. It's, It's, it's an uncommon thing. It's one of those things that can happen. So certainly I would never encourage somebody to lie under oath, but more likely what it does is it just turns the entire jury against you. I mean, that's a definite effect. Um, Because your whole point, the whole reason you're getting up there and testifying is to try to get the jury on your side. And they're trying to weigh who to believe and who not to believe. Um, But obviously, in this situation, when you have all of the evidence on one side, it ended up breaking down to 18 million in compensatory damages for the brother, 20 million in punitive damages, 20 million in compensatory for the sister. 14 million in punitive. And then uh, Mr. Findle got 2.1 million in compensatory and 5.6 million in punitive.
1: Was his injury just that much less severe or.
0: Yeah. From what I could tell, it looked like it was um, a mild traumatic brain injury, which still can be life changing, life altering and destructive, but it's not. Would... The thing is really tricky about what we were going to say. I
1: was going to say, was, would that be like just a bad concussion or like a brain bleed of some sort?
0: So, yeah, it's, it was listed as a concussion, um, and any concussion is technically a brain injury. So, it, depending on the severity of the concussion, and uh, a lot of times what you do, this is... Brain injuries are really hard to prove, because, for a couple of reasons. One is, when you're collecting evidence for litigation, the brain injury has already happened. So, it's hard to... You have to find a baseline to compare it against. And the way you'd have to do that is usually you'd have witnesses, uh, friends and family members explaining what changed, how they changed, how their personalities changed, their memory loss, um, cognitive problems. You can have experts, which they did in this case, also opine to, you know, severe depression that can occur. Really when it comes to a brain injury, pretty much any mental health issue can occur. Um, And so it's, in the end, it was a smaller amount, but I don't know how the jury came to their conclusions uh, mathematically, but it was probably a combination of brain injuries, plus the the green brother and the green sister both had additional medical bills, you know, additional the broken skull, spine, the spine injury, the uh, intestinal surgery, all of these probably led to a bigger number. Um, it's also Mr. Findle also had a different attorney. Um, with who put on different experts, and maybe the experts were a little more, uh, you know, conservative in their in their numbers. But it, it, at the end of the day, the jury weighed evidence from several different experts for the plaintiffs, and um, ultimately came to the conclusion that they all should get multi-million dollar amounts.
1: I noticed that these punitives aren't, you know, eight, ten times the amount. Which makes me think the judge probably stuck the, uh, the brothers with the full bill.
0: As of I was trying to look for this, probably. Yeah, these punitives are not way, way off the mark. And there's a couple things that can happen with that. So it could be in the closing argument. So what, what you usually what you do is you bifurcate the damages and the punitives is kind of a phase two. Um, these attorneys may have been shooting for punitives that were a little less likely to be struck down on appeal. So they might've been aiming for, um, you know, as opposed to saying, give me 500 million in punitives. Uh, that's possible. It's, it's also possible that, um, it's just from, as a practical matter, the jury might have been thinking, you know, the brother should get 18 million for to compensate him for how badly he was injured with a brain injury and a spine injury and intestinal injury. And then what happened was they weren't really thinking of the punitive damages. And then they hear, well, you also should punish them. (laughs) And they think, okay, well,
1: give them the same,
0: give them the same. Yeah. Um, so this was a, and this is another problem because the, defendants are representing themselves for that. So they don't even know how to make arguments about punitives being excessive. Um, they could try to hire an appellate attorney now, but all of the evidence that when you go up on appeal, it's going to be based on what happened in the trial. And- yeah, it's
1: non-existent.
0: Yeah. and so if-
1: I, I have to also ask if, um, if they were dum-dums and they don't know how the rules work, and so they just kind of sent it um what was what was the demand before the trial started from the brother and the sister and the friend for you know cover all of our medical and this goes away
0: so the final demand was five million bucks
1: oh man and
0: and, yeah then they get hit for
1: close to 80 it's
0: close to 80 depending on how you do the math and the thing is What I was trying to figure out, and I'm not really sure, is when that final demand was sent, because if they sent it knowing that the other attorney was trying to get out of the case, they might have done it knowing full well that the other side was in real trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, Or... They might have sent it in, and that might have been what triggered the attorney to leave, saying, "You need to pay this because you have real problems in your case." And then the refusal to pay it, the attorney might have said, "I want out before this disaster happens." So either way, um, yeah, they, they could have gotten out for five million. and another thing to keep in mind is is, if the final demand before trial is five million, they might have been able to negotiate that too, but they decided, they were just going to roll the dice on this. Um, one last bit of information that some people might not be aware of. So when you hear about these really big verdicts, there's always a question of could they just file for bankruptcy, right? Because that's in most cases, maybe I shouldn't say most, in a lot of cases, you could just file for bankruptcy protection and try to protect your at least a chunk of your assets. Um, that doesn't work in cases where there's intentional injuries um or when they were done with malice oppression or fraud which is punitives so yeah these are one of those cases where it's it would be a challenge for them to discharge this on bankruptcy i don't think it would happen not a bankruptcy attorney i'm not an expert on it but this this has all of the pieces of this family's gonna gonna spend a lot of money um and it, this trial is going to cost them a lot. How much and what you know, how's it going to play out? is hard to say. But this is a good example of don't try to be your own attorney. Uh, it almost always goes badly for you. Man. So, <clears throat> yeah. So we spent a lot I, of time. Oh, go ahead.
1: I, was say, I, I still think even for the what thirty-ish million each. Mm-hmm you couldn't pay me that much to get a brain injury. That's going to affect me $30 million worth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, you know, one of the things is happening with these brain injury cases is as more and more people become aware of how catastrophic and how real these things are um, used to be just, you know, Oh, you have shell shock. You're fine. Um, Or, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's fine. Now it's, you have cognitive problems. You have severe mental issues that won't go away. And you have PTSD, you know, and you have the, the stress and, and all of the other issues. So there's a lot more as we're learning more and more about the brain. And there's been a lot of uh, major breakthroughs in brain science recently, um, not to mention an enormous amount of interest in the brain. Um, some of that's from, uh, we'll talk about this later, but the NFL and all of the major concussions and all of the outcomes of that. That, yeah, it's, it, it's your whole, it's, it's your universe, it's your everything. And so it's, uh, anytime you have an injury to that, the possibility of a jury saying, just give us a number is always going to be there.
1: Mm.
0: So, yeah. Well,
1: it's as happy of an ending, I guess, as that one had, I, they probably go downhill from here. So what happened? Is- <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, sadly, um, well, the next one, this is the most depressing from an injury perspective. This, uh, the next case, number seven is Merlo V Bassey. And that's a, uh, it was a $50 million verdict, 40 million to the man, 10 million for his wife. And what this was, was, uh, this was an endoscopy of a 39 year old man. I think he was in Fresno and they were trying to figure out why he was internally bleeding. So it was just went in to, you know, got a procedure done. And during the procedure, he woke up and they decided they should transport him to the hospital. So here's the thing. What they also were doing was they had a tube that Mm -hmm. was a breathing tube that was keeping him breathing. And American Ambulance picked him up. And at some point during the transport, thought it would be a good idea to move his breathing tube. And that ended up cutting off his air supply. So he had a heart attack, which cut off his oxygen to his brain which led mm. to a traumatic brain injury, and he's now in a vegetative state. So th- about as close to killing somebody as you can. Um, so it turned out that uh, the plaintiff's attorneys in this case, they sued everyone, which is very common. Um, mm. If a lot of times I mean, you're not, you know. I would. <laughs> yeah, you're not, and a lot of times you're not sure at the early stages of a case who messed up. Like, did the doctor put the tube in in the wrong place, and then the ambulance company did nothing wrong, um, or did you know? Did the ambulance company move it, or when they got to the ER, did somebody in the ER bump it around? What what happened? So they sued everyone, but in the end, uh, the ambulance company was the one found liable. But the issue here was so it was forty million for the um, for for Mister Merlo, ten million for his wife. But because American Ambulance was uh, deemed by the judge to be uh, engaged in medicine, practice of medicine, there's one form of tort reform in California is MICRA, which is the statute that limits your, uh, your non-economic, your pain and suffering damages to 250000 So what that means is, is if you were severely injured and your medical bills for today and for the rest of your life are going to be millions and millions of dollars that you can still get because that's, to, that's necessary for you to survive. But if you have pain and suffering, you can't get more than 250 grand. So that cut this, the man's um, 50 million down to 17 million uh, because a lot of the money that he was going to get was for pain and suffering. And the judge said it was found it to be excessive on the 50 million and cut his pain and suffering down. And then the wife went from 10 million to 250 grand because all of her damages were pain and suffering. So she only gets 250,000 for losing her husband basically. Um, And that's unfortunately just a reality in California. They did, I I should probably mention. So the micro statute was uh, it's been around for a long time. They are, they just recently changed it. So It it used to be 250,000 for pain and suffering was the cap. Uh, They've moved it to 350. I think it starts, I'm not positive on this, but I think it's next year. And then it's going to be increased every year to 750,000. Unless you die, and then it can be increased all the way up to a million. So over time, it will become a little bit better, but... I think what people don't realize is they like the idea of protecting nurses and doctors and hospitals from big jury verdicts in theory. And then when you tell them, look, this doctor messed up and now they're paralyzed from the neck down and the only money they get for their pain and suffering is 250 grand. That was there was a lot of um, discussion and debate on whether or not we needed. Hold on one second. Pause. My dog is shaking and flipping out because I have chicken that I'm not giving him.
1: <laughs> Important
0: pause. Yeah, he's going to make a lot of noise. We should leave this in. And now we'll take it out because he's going to be a pain in the ass. But if you want to talk about micro at all, you can ask me a question about it. Um, well, it's
1: I I have a question, but it's not about Micra yet.
0: Okay, what's your question? I'm I'm just I'm eating, so we might as well just you could you could squeeze it in.
1: Well, I'm I'm just kind of wondering, like one, um, I I get that like an endoscopy could be done, um, not at a hospital, like you could just have a um a specialist that has their own practice somewhere, mm-hmm. but if the dude's internally bleeding. I would think he's at like some sort of um, urgent care slash remote ER that's going to be linked to a hospital system mm-hmm. for, that, for that type of procedure. And if that's happening anyway, why do you have a third party ambulance moving a patient from a hospital to a hospital?
0: Well, I think what it was was it was a small surgery center mm-hmm. that's equipped to do that. And then he woke up in the middle of, um, oh, but the sur- that's, surgery. That's, and they, I think they yeah. said, Oh shit. <laughs> I think it's what it was, was an, I think it was arguably malpractice on their part.
1: Well, um, that's, that's even a worse thing. Like if the patient's waking up, that's a hundred percent on the anesthesiologist. And if there isn't an anesthesiologist because they're doing, um, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be general at that point. I mean, general anesthesia is basically like we're going to kill you, but not. hmm. And this person is making sure that stuff isn't shutting off when it's not supposed to like, they yeah. completely did the the localized, whatever the block is where it basically knocks you out instead of makes you almost dead.
0: It's entirely possible that what was happening. So this is kind of a, how medmal works. If the question is, did the doctor act below the standard of care? So it's possible that the anesthesiologist was, deemed to have not done anything below the standard of care because it's just sometimes this happens and
1: yeah sometimes it doesn't take sometimes it takes too well
0: right? yeah and it's like he can't if he could have said look this is the standard amount i gave for everyone and no doctor is getting up there saying that was wrong or no anesthesiologist saying it's wrong and so he didn't commit med mal and it's kind of like if i'd given him more he would have died like it could have been something like that so it's it's one of those they probably did Sue them for that. And they probably explored everything. And then in the end, they only had a viable case for the mic for the, uh, ambulance company. That's probably what happened. But yeah, if you want, we can, I got my dog finally out of here. this cookie clack. Uh, nails. We can start back up at, I can talk about micros changing. We'll, yeah. we'll go to there. All right. Three, two, one. So I should probably tell you that Micra is, um, the micro statute has been changed, and I think it's taking effect next year. It's uh, it used to be two hundred fifty thousand for pain and suffering. Now it's going to be three hundred fifty thousand for pain and suffering. That'll be increased to over the next ten years um, up to seven hundred and fifty thousand. And that's unless you die for death. I think it's going to go up to a million over the next ten years, and then they'll adjust for inflation. So it will go up for the statute, but. One thing I always tell people to keep in mind is if somebody dies and a doctor has been found to be liable, it's kind of hard to say that your pain and suffering is capped at a million when you lost a family member or if somebody's paralyzed from the neck down and to say the most you can get for this is three hundred and fifty or $400,000. So anyway...
1: I mean, at least it's adjusted for inflation moving on. Cause this was probably, when did, when did micro happen? I mean, how long has it, uh, I forget the exact, we're
0: we're talking something like the seventies. I'd have to double check on that, but it's been around for a long time. And it, it, I know it was around at a time when the dollar amount probably sounded good. People Mm -hmm. thought, yeah, sure. Let's lock it in. And now you think paralyzed from
1: the nickel and
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that was something that was it was long overdue for a change. I believe what was happening, and I admittedly, I wasn't really following this too carefully. I have a handful of friends who do medical malpractice and would know this, like the back of their hand. But I believe what was happening was there was a fight over how California should change the law and whether or not it should be put up to a vote to change it, because there have been a lot of groups who've been saying for a long time this needs to change. Unfortunately, and you probably remember this from when you're in California, uh, whenever there's special interest groups, especially insurance companies, they will bombard the airways and uh, bombard your television commercials with how, if you agree to this, all of these people will die and they'll they'll make it out like, you know, all these horrible things will happen if you agree to increase it. And, you know, this will only line the pockets of attorneys and They try really hard. So drive your insurance rates up, which...
1: When when in actuality, they're just telling you, we're going to take more money from you and blame it on the lawyers.
0: Yeah, and it's... And there's over... I can tell you from the time I did work in MedMal, it's overwhelming amounts of evidence out there to show that this tort reform to try to cap medical damages has not only not made us any safer, but it also hasn't in any way, shape, or form affected... Insurance rates, it just affects how much money insurance companies get to keep. So, anyway,
1: I feel like even though it's a seemingly constant theme, if we talk too much about insurance companies ruling the world, well, one, like the tinfoil hats are going to have to come out. (laughs) And and two, before the tinfoil hats go on, we'll probably get just deleted from the internet.
0: Yeah, I don't, luckily, I don't think they have, well, We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully not that much power. Anyway, um, number eight. Anyway, number eight. Moving on. Um, I might mispronounce this. It's uh, I believe it's Behar v. Lopez. This is the, um, another brain injury case. This was a $50 million brain injury case. Um, it was a CHP state trooper who was permanently injured when he was trying to conduct a traffic stop on the freeway, turned his lights on, Slowed down and uh, Ms. Lopez hit him from behind, ejected him out of his motorcycle, sent him onto the highway, gave him a brain injury. Yeah, this one, the reason, what makes this case interesting um, and a little different than your typical car accident case is this is a case where Nationwide Insurance was asked to settle the case for the policy limits. And Ms. Lopez's policy limits were $15,000. And Nationwide said no. What? Yeah. And they do this. (laughs) Not just Nationwide. Did they say
1: no because they were confused and it was like, there's $15,000 sitting on the ground. Is it worth bending over and picking up?
0: It probably, it's hard to say. It could have been, they were sent a demand letter and they refused it because they took the position of, we don't have enough evidence right now to give you 15,000. They might've been even more foolish and put it into writing. Um, But what ended up happening was somewhere along the lines, they realized they'd messed up. And by the way, for people who don't know about this in California, there's not only the possibility, what's called a bad faith lawsuit, which means if an insurance company is supposed to insure you, and they don't. So in this case, they were supposed to insure Ms. Lopez, and they didn't do their job and didn't give her the insurance protection she needed. Theoretically, Ms. Lopez should be responsible for what's left, so she can sue the insurance company for bad faith. Um, Another thing that the insurance company has to be careful about is what's called opening the policy, where effectively, Because they had an opportunity to settle and they didn't, they're now liable for all of the damages in the case. So either way, California has a couple options. It would take forever to get into how effective these options are at stopping insurance companies, but at least holding the insurance company's feet to the fire when they get caught misbehaving. What's interesting in this case is Nationwide appeared to take the extra step of paying to get attorneys to try to have Ms. Lopez um, file for bankruptcy during the case to try to get an automatic stay on the case. And remember, we're in 2021. So this is during the COVID crisis when courts are all locked down and backed up like crazy. And this is in Los Angeles, where anyone who's ever been to the Stanley Moss Courthouse in Los Angeles knows they're a little backed up already. So it looked like Nationwide was doing everything they could to push this case off. And it ended up not working in the bankruptcy court. Uh, the bankruptcy court said that's, that uh, it was they didn't find it to be bad faith, but they found it to be inappropriate. Uh, it did go to trial. And rather than settling in the beginning for $15,000, uh, they got hit for $50 million. Um, so this is very much a...
1: So, because they refused the policy, they're they're liable for the whole thing.
0: Yeah, there. This will probably be appealed on whether or not they should be held liable for the whole thing. But yeah, short answer, yes. And also, because obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but if Ms. Lopez was filing for bankruptcy before the verdict came down, she probably doesn't have fifty million dollars sitting around. So right. Um, so it's something that will be fought and hard fought. It also could be a bad faith case against nationwide. Um, but at the end of the day, this happens all the time. And anyone who deals with uh, auto cases, which I deal with a lot of auto cases, um, whether you're on the plaintiff side or the defendant side, it's not uncommon to be shocked that the insurance company is still refusing to settle for as long as they possibly can. And, and, It'd be a long conversation on why they do that, but long story short, it's always in the insurance company's best interest to delay as long as they possibly can. Things only get better for them as a general rule, unless you delay all the way to the jury verdict, in which case you can get hit for $50 million. Yeah. So that was that case. It's a relatively straightforward case. Um, It's the last brain injury case we have, but- but <laughs> yeah, a little less depressing. So depressing. Um, yeah, and actually, at least the next two are not really so much depressing as they are. Well, a little depressing, but not too depressing. Um, I'll just get into the number nine: Gunderson v. Edward D. Jones. Um, so Edward Jones, very well-known company. Uh, they got involved in a cyberbullying case, and they got hit okay. first. Yeah, this one's interesting. This is kind of a welcome to 2021 case because you don't hear about major cyberbullying cases. Um, this I mean, was like 30... outside
1: 30 high school anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And usually you don't hear about millions of dollars being handed out, but there may be a trend. This could be something we see more and more in the future. Um, technically, this was also a defamation case, but little column A and a little column B in this one. It was a, It was a $38 million hit. Um, And what it was, was there was a, uh, the plaintiff Gunderson, he was fired by Edward Jones and he went on to a new firm and a broker at Edward Jones decided to not only try to trash him uh, to try to eliminate competition, but they posted gay sex ads about him on Craigslist to try to harass and intimidate him. Yeah, so very much. We, it's funny you're just mentioning high school behavior. Um, very high school behavior from a you know higher up in the Edward Jones company. Um, this broker was fired, but there also was another broker who was involved who apparently is still there. Um, the broker was sued as was Edward Jones. So Edward Jones, of course, said, "Hey, this wasn't us. This was somebody acting on their own. You shouldn't hold us accountable." we would never have supported this yada 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 a jury still found them liable for 30 million found the broker liable for Dang. 8 million yeah yeah still hit him for 30 million now edward jones has the money but yeah, yeah. but still still 30 million dollar hit for cyberbullying yeah. um it was bad for gunderson he did get a lot of unwanted calls and text messages so he probably was harassed pretty badly um also, apparently, there was uh, attacks on his reputation by newspaper ads being taken out against him, suggesting that he was a bad broker. So it, there was definitely this is definitely part of the culture, and I'm sure the jury saw this as, you know, kind of that 1980s mentality of finance guys being able to do whatever they want to each other and being inappropriate in the 21st right, century. Uh, yeah,
1: finance Yeah. Bro. yeah. So what so makes what makes it cyberbullying versus just some, like, I don't know, simple libel case?
0: Um, you know, realistically, I don't know that they were on any. Sp- there, there have been some recent laws that came out for cyberbullying. I don't know that they were really leaning hard into those laws so much as just saying this is defamation and defining it as cyberbullying as well, just because it involved posting gay sex ads on Craigslist. So the Craigslist ads, which, I mean, this is the other thing. It's not even craigslist is what from 20 years ago was when it was big it's it still exists obviously but it's uh
1: yeah it's how you get rid of the um the the, the water heater that you changed six years ago and can't get out of your garage
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's almost like it, it's i guess the way i'm looking at it is it's almost like the okay boomer way of cyberbullying. um mm-hmm. you know like they haven't quite figured out facebook bullying and then eventually they'll migrate to Instagram bullying and TikTok bullying. (laughs) They'll they'll work their way, you know, moving forward. Um I probably skipped a few steps. There's probably Reddit bullying that's more anonymous.
1: No, that's that's just how Reddit functions
0: (laughs) that's just called using the service. Um but yeah so ultimately this was uh it's kind
1: of a weird one.
0: Yeah this was an odd one. This was more just rich people, powerful people attacking a competitor. Mm -hmm. And you know I, I from the people I know who work in the finance industry, I've been told this kind of behavior is not uncommon. It's just when you put stuff online, it can be traced and it probably was. And that's probably what happened. Uh, Um, That's my guess.
1: It's kind of horrible, though, that. Rich person being douche, 38 million. Rich person being douche, causing brain injuries, only double that.
0: Yeah. That's a um that's a good point. <laughs> that's something that is uh unfortunately once you start getting into these large numbers we get into the discussion of people really have a tough time putting numbers to I mean if you ask any oh, juror you know, yeah. you know that
1: whole million billion trillion thing that people don't
0: Yeah, yeah, it's don't. it's hard
1: it's hard for somebody even though you're saying like just say times a thousand it it gets to a point where that just no longer makes sense to them.
0: Yeah. It's, you can tell somebody being a millionaire means you can supersize your happy meal for the rest of your lifetime and probably your children's lifetimes and your grandchildren's lifetimes, but it's hard to say, okay, but having a billion dollars means you can supersize your happy meals till humanity probably evolves into another species, right? It's, It's hard for people to comprehend large stretches of time, large amounts of money, large numbers. And, Um, and it's also hard if you ask somebody just, I mean, if I just asked you, why not? (laughs) I'll ask you a question for a change. What do you think if you could, if you could no longer remember your childhood from the years of being three years old, all the way through to 18, meaning your first kiss, you have forgotten. You forgot your graduation, you forgot all of the friends you made in high school and all the shenanigans you got up to. How much would it be worth for you to lose all those memories? If like I were to some, give you
1: somebody would be paying me, and I wouldn't have to be trying to forget these things.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, all right, bad example. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, but seriously, and also
1: you can't put a number on it. I mean, yeah. And if you do, there's there's probably some sociopathy going on where you you are living too much in the now.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very hard. And of course, we're not even talking about future money, right? Because if we shift the conversation and we start talking about $10 million today, what's $10 million today going to be worth in 30 years? Because a lot of people are going to still be alive in 30 years.
1: Yeah. So you know, if we keep having nine point one percent inflation,
0: yeah, yeah, and actually, you know what? I didn't get into this, but um, the micro statute is two percent inflation increase adjustment. So it's not adjusting for whatever inflation is; it's just two percent adjustment. So So the (laughs) seventies. Yeah. So you. So and where we hope things will go back to, if that's longer conversation, but yeah, Yeah. it's so. That's the thing: is going back to two hundred fifty thousand dollars for pain and suffering. Well, maybe that was a lot of money once upon a time, but you know, it's it's still a lot of money to, I think to your average person today, but when you're talking about losing your memories or losing your ability to enjoy a movie or read a book and sit still for, you know where you can just read a book for an hour um, or fish or feed yourself. Yeah. Feed yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's, and that brain injury can be the whole, It can be everything from crying for reasons why you you don't know why to um, having violent outbursts that you don't know why you're having them to vegetative state and everything in between. So I promised I wouldn't get depressing and (laughs) we're right back to it. (laughs) Keep looping Um, back to the. Yeah. So let me go to the last one. Uh, This one's, it's not so much depressing. It's just not that it's, It's kind of a thing that isn't really surprising. It's just a thing that happens. This is a $30 million trade secret case. It's Live Person Inc. v. 7AI Inc. Um, So this is the number 10 on the list. This is the last of the top 10. And what it was, was it was, and this happens a lot. I used, when I used to work in uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, if you work for tech companies, you have one online chat technology company doing business with another they had contracts were in place where one company was seeing how the other company did things because they're working closely together. Um, you can have things like API agreements where you're, you you have access, uh, to their systems. You could have agreements where you might be given access to their trade secret information or just information from what other companies might see. Uh, you You can get the source code. You can get all sorts of information depending on what is happening when two companies are working closely together on projects. And these two tech companies, one made an online chat technology and then lo and behold, not too much longer down the line in history, the other company had online chat technology. And so the lawsuit was big powerhouse law firms Fighting against each other, spending probably millions of dollars in legal fees, fighting over whether one technology was stolen from the other. Um, there were a lot of claims in this lawsuit. There were patent claims, trademark claims, contract claims. Those all got dismissed. Um, but,
1: proving that they weren't worth the money that they were spent they spent <laughs> on them that we talked about the other time.
0: Yeah, or or they were or they were stretching on what whether or not it was actually infringed this time, you know, they might've been useful to somebody else, but in this case, excuse me, they, sometimes you, you allege everything under the sun and you see what happens. Um, so it, either way they were dismissed, but the trade secrets still hit for 30 million on, you know, and anytime you're in an IP case, as we said, the biggest case was an IP case in 2021. The 10th biggest is an IP case. Mm-hmm. Not shocking. Um, it's currently up for appeal in the ninth circuit. It looks like based on the what the current um, I looked at the calendar for this case, it looks like it'll the appeal will be decided sometime in 2023. But this is another one tech company says you stole our stuff. And, um, you know, two companies both making a lot of money have technology that they both I'm sure allege is worth a lot of money. The only thing that's mildly interesting about this outcome was it was 6.7 million in compensatory damages and $23.5 million in punitives. So this is a pretty significant punitive damages award. This is, uh, you know, you're talking about almost four times the punitive damages, um, or four times the compensatory in punitive damages. So it's still in that range where it might not get cut down, but it's... Um, when you see punitive damages awards that are substantial, it usually means that the jury is angry with what happened. Um, so...
1: Well, what's the... I guess the market cap for these companies, like does 30 million mean anything to them? Or is that this one sub team of a team did a bad thing? Therefore, here's some change.
0: You know, for anyone listening to this podcast, this is a great question because it illustrates that you and I don't go over our questions beforehand because that's a great question and I don't know the answer to it. (laughs) (laughs) If I knew the answer, I, I probably should have looked that one up. It's a great question. I don't know. Uh, Live Person Inc. Uh, and Seven AI. I am not familiar with these companies. I don't know who they are. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Six point seven million in damages for to compensate suggests they're probably not that big, because you're trying to compensate them for losses of their of a trade secret that they considered important. I looked at what the trade secrets were that they were actually considering though, and it it had to do with so. Anytime you're dealing with big corporate like uh sorry technology that interacts with big corporations like mastercard or something like that the way in which your technology operates can sometimes give you a competitive edge where if somebody else knew how you were interacting with other companies they might make it smoother and more streamlined so that let's say sears or I don't even know if Sears exists anymore, but any kind of retailer might say, oh, we'd rather use your tech than somebody else's tech because it's so streamlined for what we like. Um, And that could be a trade secret because Mm -hmm. it's, or at least it could be alleged as a trade secret. So it looked like it was kind of along those lines where it's one company is saying, hey, this is really valuable. And the jury said, well, $6.7 million valuable but it was really bad the way you did it. So punitive damages
1: live person Inc has a market cap of 600 or 962 million right now. And that's Ah. at just under 13 bucks a share. But if you go back to 2021, their stock was worth 71 a share.
0: Hmm. So I I see, I see your Google skills (laughs) are are substantially greater than mine. Um, Yeah. yeah. I
1: can't find the other one. It might not be
0: yeah it's set i don't it, know yeah not Here, like it's called it's seven dot ai inc but yeah it's it may not be a, if it's a privately traded company then they don't have to tell you anything about their market yeah. cap so um
1: uh, they're yeah i'm not it's not
0: anything. 24
1: or yeah that's not anything. yeah
0: yeah i'm, I'm probably running in the same issues you are but either way for the top 10 um I guess if we were just to really quickly go over what these what happened overall, just a quick overview, Um, even though I said this is a weird year, 2021 obviously is going to be strange. The top 10 list isn't that strange. You have two intellectual property cases involving company technology. You had one business case involving a loss of oil revenue. Um, You had two employment cases, one of them being sexual harassment that was really bad and one being racism that was really bad. Um, you had a cyberbullying case. That one's new. I don't usually see that being big verdicts. But then you had four catastrophic injury cases involving brain and spine injuries. And those are extremely common for the big verdicts. So it's an abnormal year in our life. And certainly for the courts, uh, you know, a lot of court backup and a lot of issues in California. But all things being equal, these are kind of typical for big verdicts. Um, And I was originally going to make this a top 20 list, but then we realized that this was going way too long. Um, So I'll just preview what the next 10 biggest verdicts would be without going into all of them. Uh, One of them was an employment case. One was a sexual abuse case. And then eight personal injury cases. Two of them asbestos, three wrongful death, one design defect, another brain injury case. And one case I just have to mention because when I was going through it, I caught my eye. Uh, it was a nursing home malpractice case and it was, I'm going to mispronounce this, but, uh, at all V Mariner healthcare. It was a $13.5 million hit. And the reason I got to mention it is because, um, the lead trial counsel was Susan Ken Gordon who went to law school with me. And I didn't know that this happened. Um, this is what happens when you get rid of your Facebook account, <laughs> which I probably should get back now that I've got a podcast. Um, you miss out on these kinds of things. I didn't know that my very good friend from law school, who I haven't talked to in way too many years now, um, hit one of the top 20 biggest trial verdicts of uh-huh. 2021. So very cool, very excited, very proud. Um, not exactly surprising. She was definitely a badass in law school. And you know it doesn't surprise me she's a badass now. But um, really, really, I, that was something that made me really happy when I saw that. So, good for her. And, you know, obviously, congratulations to everyone else who got in the top 20. And yeah, uh, again, not really surprising. Uh, I think if we were to have one big takeaway from all of these cases, if you're just saying, well, what's the main thing that ties these all together? Um, it's basically that whenever you have a massive, massive verdict, there's a reason for it. And it's usually a reason that makes a lot of sense once you hear about it. It might be that they didn't turn over evidence or they tried to be their own attorney or... um,
1: Don't make the judge mad at you.
0: Yeah. That's actually maybe even a better way of putting it. And don't make the jury mad at you. Don't put on a case where the jury is just going to be livid. Um, And so... These were, and also I should say, these just, just like with the McDonald's coffee case, these are all major, major injuries, either personal injuries where you have people who are very severely hurt, or they're um, cases where big businesses lost millions of dollars um, or lost something core to how they make their money. So it's not really surprising. And if anything, it really should illustrate that for as much as people, Say, oh, the courts are out of control and these verdicts are out of control. If you look at the biggest verdicts, they all kind of make sense. So, with that, um, that's all I got. Anything else you want to say, Dan, before we get call, bring this one to a close?
1: Um, I don't think so. It's just the brain stuff is depressing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, like gonna and I and-
1: need to go and like pet a puppy or something.
0: Yeah. Highly recommended. I, as I was doing this podcast, I can tell you my dog kept walking in cause I also was eating a chicken sandwich and that meant that he was, he's always my best fan whenever I have food. And then he lost interest in this podcast the moment that the sandwich was completed. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, brain injury is what I do. It's one of the many things I do and it does get rough and we, it will come up again. But at the same time, these were good outcomes. Um, these are, you know, it's impossible to put money on a brain injury, but. You know, you can't make
1: them whole, but you can make them better.
0: Yeah, you, you can do your best. And that's yeah. basically what you end up doing. So with all that being said, I think this brings us to a close. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I look forward to seeing you all in the next one. Bye.